Uh, it is great to be with you. Wanted to welcome a special friend of Cheryl's and mine, all the way in from Minneapolis, Minnesota, Shelly Carlson, otherwise known as Sherry's twin sister. But uh, Cheryl and I have known Shelly for over 30 years, and she's in town visiting her sister and family. And the church here, but she's a great disciple with our church in Minneapolis. So, Shelly, it's great to have you with us. Very exciting. Oh, yeah. And, you know, the, the sermon title, One More Thing. Depending on what frame of mind you're in and what context of life, one more thing can either be good or bad. Like, uh, this week... Uh, I had to go to Sprouts to get some things, and I thought, you know, I out of the corner of my eye, I saw C's candy, which made me think of uh, just a special lady in our family's life, our daughter-in-law, because she loves, Lindsay loves C's candy. So I decided, well, since I'm here, it would be appropriate to get Lindsay some C's chocolate, and so... You know, I called Michael on the way and I said, what is her favorite chocolate? And he said, milk chocolate butter. Yeah, it's just rich and good and everything. So anyway, I was waiting in line. And then as I paid for it, I was getting ready to leave. And the worker said, oh, one more thing. We give you a free chocolate. Which one would you like? And I said, oh, I'd like one of those, I think it's called like a scotch mellow or something like that. It's like marshmallow and caramel and all that. You know, and so in this case, the one more thing was like a bonus item. I went there to encourage my daughter-in-law, and I got encouraged. That was awesome. You know, sometimes one more thing can be used in a different way, like when Michael, our son, was just a young little guy. And there was something he wanted to tell you. And if you portrayed a point that was not in agreement with the one thing that he would share, he would say, Dad, one more thing. And then he would repeat himself. So one more thing really wasn't an additional thing. It was just, okay, you didn't get the point the first time. I need to repeat what I just said so it's more clear And then you and mom will obviously want to go along with my perspective. You know, sometimes when you ask your kids to do things, you know, and say, hey, I need you to do one more thing. It reminds me of a situation I saw where I was at Mike's house and Brooke was a little girl at that time. And Mike asked Brooke to do something. And she said, "Mm, Dad, why don't you go read your Bible? Mm-hmm. Or I can think of another one more thing, and that was my last class of my last undergraduate course at the University of Iowa. It was Friday afternoon. Finals began on Monday. It was about 4 p.m. Actually, it was like 3.58, and class ended at 4 o'clock. And our, our Swedish professor is quantum chemistry. It was this theoretical math class. 
And I remember Dr. Kaufman at like 3.58 going, oh, yeah, one more thing. And he goes, I had forgotten to assign research papers this semester. So here's six topics. It was a graduate class, so there were only six of us in there. Here's six topics, and each of you need to pick one, and then you need to write a research paper. Now, my first thought is, this is a math class. We don't write. (laughs) You know, Dr. Kaufman, this is, we do math problems. We don't write things. And we're all thinking the same thing. One of the students said, uh, you know, Dr. Kaufman, finals start in two days. Um, How long do these papers have to be? And he goes, well, I can't imagine you doing a good job with the subject in any less than 15 typed pages. And I remember at that moment feeling like one more thing was just, are you kidding me? We didn't have rateyourprofessor.com back then. But he would not have got a high rating for that feat of just, like, terribleness. So I had two days to write a research paper and then seven finals. You know, that was one, one more thing. One more thing. You know, so I don't really know where you're at right now. And so you hear this subject, one more thing, and sometimes you're like, yeah, I'm ready for it. Other times you're like, Ron, obviously you didn't see the last week of my life. I'm not really ready to hear about one more thing. And so I had a couple of visual aids of what one more thing might look at. So here's one. Do I have it on? No. There you go. Okay. This was my parents' 40th anniversary family reunion celebration. And this was the great idea of let's take one more picture of Grandma and Papa and all the grandkids. So this was a little over 14 years ago. So you got little nephew in the bottom. He's got to go to the bathroom. So he's trying hard not to, you know. Brooke is like, what's going on? Michael's like, come on, I'm smiling. Please take this. Luke is just laughing hysterically. And Adam and Joe are just like, get me out of here. You know, it's like, so this might be your view of one more thing. Or maybe, maybe it's this. This is a recent photo sent to me by Lashana. You know, at the mall, taking pictures with Santa. So you got Levi going, I have no idea what is going on right now. Can you get me away from the creepy dude? And then Judah, I think, is like, no way. My mom dressed me in matching clothes with my brother. That's just not cool. That should not be happening right now. But, you know, maybe that's your one more thing. I don't know. But we're going to look at the Bible where, where Jesus deals with the one more areas of life. And we're over in Luke 18. Oh, yeah, Lashana, this is your picture. You sent, you sent it to me. 
That's a great one. Luke 18. We'll talk about humility first in Luke 18. Verse 9 to 14, it says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me. A sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. You know, humility will connect. It will connect with God and it will connect with people. I love this um, from Einstein, you know, little mathematics right here. Uh, Ego is the reciprocal of knowledge. That means the less knowledge you have, the higher your ego goes. The greater your knowledge, the lower your ego. Another way to think about this is how self-aware are you? Is it easy for you to be in touch with who you are? Or do you tend toward being self-righteous? Now, really, there's not a single one of us that has any reason at all to be self-righteous. Because the comparison or, of good and bad is the sinless life of Jesus, not whatever happens to be a strength in our life that would allow us to go, oh, I can't believe this person. I mean, look at their life. Why would I want to do that? You know, humility shows itself in our relationship with God. Is it daily? Daily disciplines? Praying? Reading your Bible? Meditating on God's Word? Is it daily? Or is it only when I need it? You know, kind of the God is a a giant Tylenol. When we have moral hangovers, we just get a little God, and then that helps the headache go away. Really, how much humility is in a relationship with God if we just go to Him when we need Him? You know, finally, hum- humility. Humility exalts others. Man, you're amazing. You're awesome. I'm proud of you. Pride exalts self. You go, well, isn't that the same thing as being self-righteous? Well, sort of, but maybe think in terms of conversations. You know, one of the things I had to work on in my own humility is the desire to want to express my point with somebody who disagrees with my point rather than listening and understanding their point. Yeah, that doesn't really go well in marriage. 
when you and your wife have differing opinions, but what's more important to me is expressing my version of what is right at her expense. It also doesn't help you in your friendship. It doesn't help help you in the family or in the household. And what's it boil down to? Humility. Bob says pride only breeds quarrels. Do you realize that? If at least one of two people are humble, you cannot have an argument. It's impossible. There's no such thing as, you made me this way. No. Eventually, your pride was poked enough that you reacted and what was in there all the time finally came out. But Jesus tells this parable and it says, what, what was his intro? To some who are, who are comfort of their righteousness and look down on other people. They lacked a self-awareness of where they were at spiritually, where they were at in life. And Jesus told this story basically contrasting humility and pride. He said, where, how are you doing in this category? You see, because when you hear the idea of one more thing, pride is like, uh-uh, not me. You obviously do not get the busyness of my schedule. And what we have in mind are other people who we've already decided are not nearly as busy as we are. And they are fully capable of dealing with whatever your one more thing is. You see, humility opens the door for fabulous connections to God and to one another. You know, the second thing I notice about uh, this in Luke 18 is what Jesus says in verse 15 to 17. It says, people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Sounds like our infants class in, in uh, our, our Kingdom Kids ministry, we're, we're bringing babies. You guys are doing a good job populating. It's awesome. Okay, disciples, they had a bad attitude. They rebuked them, but Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Kids are so awesome at gift-giving time. It, it makes it fun. You know, when you give gifts to adults, they're like, hey, cool, thanks. And they're being sort of grateful, but, and they may mean that. But, like, little kids are just pumped to get gifts. They love it. And Jesus uses that analogy and says, if you don't receive the kingdom of God like a little child, he goes, you're not going to go. You're not going to make it. And so what, what is the, the point? It's the idea of the receiving of the kingdom. Well, what, what's that look like? Well, when you receive, it's, it's voluntary. The gifts come in your way and you're like, oh, yeah, 
I want that. Versus, here, you got to eat your vegetables. That's not voluntary when you're a little kid. It's pressured. You know, sometimes we can study the Bible and we get stuck right here. Why? Because we don't have the heart of a little kid. So we read God's Word. We read about the opportunity we have. And you kind of got one or two paths. You can either go, yeah, are you serious? Yeah, how often can we get together? Man, I was inspired by Gabe. Here's Arte. News brother. You know, Gabe, Gabe would be in one Bible study, and he would have his next Bible study already set up. Not because the disciples had planned it, because Gabe had set it. Then he would recruit the disciples into his preset time. You know why he did that? Because he was excited to receive the kingdom. And just in case the disciples were slow, Gabe didn't want to chance it. Now, what's the opposite of this look like? Like, serious? Like, yeah, I don't know if I want to live this life. I mean, look at all this stuff. Look at all these things I got to do. I mean, I'm in high school. I'm in college. I got my whole life in front of me. Can I just, like, do that then? I mean, I want to have fun. Just got to take it at my own pace. Don't be shoving no kingdom gift at me. Just leave it on the table, and if I get interested, I'll head on over there and peruse it at my leisure. Thank you. That's the point. Jesus saying, hey, you got to receive it like a little child. I mean, there's an eagerness. Like little kids, what do they do on Christmas morning? Do you ever have to go in and wake up little kids at 9 a.m. because they're sleeping in too long? No. Never. Now, maybe when they're teens. But that's why Jesus says little child. You go, well, you know, I'm just wired this way. Just apathetic. You know, Jesus says... You're not going to get in the kingdom because you have to receive it like a little child. You're going to have that eagerness at some point. We're not going to drag you against your will into the waters of baptism. You got to want to. You got to be excited about it. You know what else? Well, you're grateful. Kids are pumped. Versus the opposite side. Of you perform, or you work, or you earn wages. Look at what I've done. I deserve this. I mean, if if we get right down to it, are we really grateful because the paycheck gets put in our account? Now, we might be if we lived over in Russia, where our brothers and sisters are that we're connected to. And with the economic hard times... 
the sanctions that are going on, in a matter of about two weeks, a fourth of the church lost their jobs and half of the remaining employees, you may or may not get a paycheck. And it may or may not be the amount that you were supposed to get. Oh, and on top of it, the ruble is now worth half of what it is. So whatever your paycheck used to be, if you get the same amount, it only it's like getting a pay cut by 50%. That was our entire church in Moscow. And it took about two weeks to get there. Some people are slowly recovering. But let me tell you, life is tough over there right now. You know what? If you got a paycheck, then you'd be grateful for it. Now, like a really awesome year-end bonus, that's kind of different because that's like an extra. You're kind of hoping slash expecting. But when you get it, you're like, yes. But a paycheck, you're like, yeah, it's in my account. It should be. I put in the work. They owe it to me. You know, that is not receiving a gift or receiving the kingdom. That is a mindset of look at all that I've done. Look at all the hard work I've done. Look at all my religious activity that I've done. Look at how much Bible I know. Look at all this. I'm good. I don't need to receive anything. I'm, I pretty much am the kingdom. Or if I'm not. I got the VIP pass because I'm so awesome. I mean, look at all that I've done. I'm just going to get in those pearly gates anyway. That's why Jesus says you must receive the kingdom like a little child. It's a gift. You can't earn it. It's by grace. It's the only way in. You can't perform well enough. You can't be perfect enough. You can't be righteous enough. You can only receive it. So Jesus says, what's your role in the gift giving? See, when you're excited to receive, you, you, you do things. You're like Gabe, man. You're, you're planning studies and you're letting people know, hey, my study's already set. Here's when you guys need to be there. Ann Lyman, she was just baptized. You know what? Ann is passionate about the scriptures. But she's fired up by the word of God. Word of God says it. That's what I want to do. That's the way I'm going to live. You know why? Because she's like, I got this amazing opportunity. I got to put this into practice. Your almost newest sister She'll be your newest sister at, you know, a little after 1 o'clock today. Uh, Bridget, you, you know what? Bridget is a single mom, and she's been through a lot of challenging life situations. So, you know, sometimes it's easier to proceed down a demanding path when life just kind of opens the doors and it's convenient. She has had zero convenience in her life the entire time. Perseverance has been required every step of the way. But when you're excited to receive the gift of the kingdom, you do that. See, Jesus says you've got to receive. 
like a little child. I'm proud of those people. You know, the last section here, I wanted to find a really good picture. So I got an Iowa Hawkeye catch. Sorry, Lonnie. Against the Wolverines. Um, okay, Luke 18, in verse 18. It says, a certain ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. Honor your father and mother. All these I've kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. Then he, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Jesus looked at him and said, How hard it is for the rich to inherit the kingdom of God. Indeed, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of the needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Then who can be saved? Jesus replied, What is impossible with man is possible with God. And I call this title, Open Hands, Catch Miracles. You see, what do you think when somebody comes and says, hey, one more thing. Now, I want, I want to pause for a moment and let's think about this rich ruler. So here's a guy that comes and runs up to Jesus. He kneels and says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, you know the commandments. And he goes through them. And he says, all these I've kept since I was a young boy. Now, I, don't, I know pretty much all of you in this room. I don't think any one of you would have stood next to Jesus and said, Jesus, I have kept all the Ten Commandments since I was a young child. I want you to know that. I don't think any of us would have gone, I'm covered. I did it, all of them, always. Even when I was young and my parents were annoying, I did it then. I honored them when they were at their worst. There's not one of us that would have raised our hands and said, Jesus, I'm glad that was your answer because I have successfully completed all those things. But this guy did, and Jesus didn't disagree with him. Now, here's what's remarkable. Why would a guy that has lived out all the commandments since they were a young boy have any need to go to Jesus and ask, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why wouldn't there be an assumption that because of how I've lived, I will have eternal life? The question he asked Jesus revealed the inner condition of a heart that's trying to perform, that's trying to work, that's trying to earn righteousness. 
and it never fulfills. Sometimes we try and gain confidence. Why, if I get in better shape, if I get a better job, if I get a bigger house, a nicer car, if I can do these things, then I will feel confident. No, you never will. Ever, ever. Because as soon as you arrive at that point, you're going to notice somebody else that lives beyond where you're at. When the inner condition of your heart is not settled on your salvation, there is no amount of religious activity that will solve that problem. And even if you could raise your hand and say, I've kept them all since I was a young boy, just like this guy. There'd be that gnawing emptiness, that inner knowing, something's not right. Jesus, there's something I need from you. I'm not sure what it is. But I know on the inside, I'm not, I'm not complete. I'm not settled. I'm not, there, there's something. And Jesus goes on to deal with him. But I wanted to talk for a moment about what, what are some of the ways that you, you see this heart. Well, when you are a steward, you're open-handed. Because when you are a steward, you're giving things. And you're using things to help others. When you're an owner, you are a possessor of things. You're holding on to things. They're mine, those things. You know, when, when you're open-handed, you're, you're looking for opportunities. How can I help? But if your hands are closed... You're unavailable. Yeah, you look for ways to avoid helping. You know, there's, when you're open-hearted, when you're in the right place, there's that, that inner security, like what Keith shared about. Even when you go through four of the most hectic months of his life, there's an inner peace that allows you to negotiate all that in such smooth fashion, not because the circumstances of life dictate it, but because of what's on the inside. But on the flip side of it, your life can be amazing, and there's an inner angst and turmoil that just will not go away, even though the outer circumstances are just fine. You know, sometimes we, our answer is, I'm just tired. Oh, I'm looking forward to Christmas break because I'm just tired. And then you get a lot of extra sleep and you leave your break. And, you're, and you know what you say? Oh, I'm just tired. You know why? Because the fatigue is an internal issue. It's not a physical rest issue. Now, it's good to get sleep. That's fine. Jesus took naps. Biblical. Okay. But I, I'm so proud of a, a couple of our teen sisters. Now, now you know we got a new young teen sister, Caitlin Gonio. That's right. 
And uh, when Caitlin's parents were exploring the opportunity of moving out to Santa Clarita, well, they were still in a lease. So it was like nine or ten months they drove out here three, four days a week, sometimes with traffic on a Friday night that Devo would take two and a half, three hours to get to Devo. But they did that. But, you know, uh, Colin Lee was telling me a story uh, just this week, and I, I was so proud of a couple of our teen girls, um, Alexa, Beckford, and Marley Berry. And you know what I found out? When, when the Gonios still lived in San Marino in the early phases, they wanted to go encourage Caitlin. So you know what they did? They took two trains, one from Santa Clarita downtown, and then, you know, one from downtown L.A. out to San Marino because there's not a train that goes from Valencia to San Marino. But these two teen girls, they took two trains just to get out there. You know why? Just to encourage Caitlin. You know, sometimes 15 minutes of inconvenience is too big of a hurdle to help her serve. You know, I was so fired up. You hear about two of our teen sisters just making the journey out there, spending hours. Totally worth it. You know why? Because Caitlin needed encouragement. You know, sometimes we will encourage if the absolute perfect situation presents itself, you know, and it's kind of right there. The most I got to do is kind of move one step and I'm able to engage and help. And it fits into the one open slot I have. Here's a question. What level of inconvenience is required to block serving or helping someone else? You know, because that's something that all of us, we, we need to have our own conviction on this. And the fact is, you're here today because other people served and loved and continue to serve and love you. And I know all of us relate to the rich young ruler that we keep all the commandments. We're righteous. And you know what? Let me burst your bubble. There's not one of us that's convenient or easy to love and serve. But don't you enjoy the benefits of serving? Isn't it great? Then I came home the other night, and you know what I had on my counter? A plate of baklava. Because the Redstrom family has an annual holiday making of baklava. And if you don't know what baklava is, you are missing out. It's layers of phyllo dough and honey and pistachios, and it's just like goodness. And it's a solid, dense, honey-laden, gooey block. It's just really good. And you know, you come home after a long day and there's a plate of baklava. Now, I would not say, oh, I just love to be served. But you know what? I love to eat baklava. (laughs) And so, yeah, you know, I was really happy to be served because my stomach enjoyed the baklava. I did not share any with Bailey. I did share with my wife. 
Yes. That's right. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it's just when Aaron was talking about the DCFS party yesterday, uh, I've gone every year for I don't know how many years we've been having that party, 12. We were trying to count somewhere around 12 years annually. This was far and away the biggest, bestest, most amazing, incredible thing ever. And, I mean, there was face painting going on. And, I mean, it was inc- we had a team of face painters. They had, you know, the, the long skinny balloon art going. We had popcorn making and cotton candy spinning. We had carnival games going on. We had, you know, reindeer snacks. We had crafts. Uh, Panda Express was there feeding everybody. And they had the panda, which was cool. We had Santa and Mrs. Claus taking pictures with all the kids. And then they'd take the cameras over. And we had these photo printers right there and download them and print them off. And the kids got to take a picture with Santa home with them. And then they got to go in there and they got to go into the toy room. And they got to pick out whatever toy they wanted. And every one of those toys was given by you guys. And I'm telling you, the smiles they got, there was lines going out the door. I mean, it was incredible. The joy at that party was incredible. You know why? Because of your open hands giving gifts, your hands being the labor force serving at the party. But it was incredible. The DCFS workers must have thanked me a hundred times. They said, this is the most incredible party. They said, every single family we invited came. Yeah, one of them did call me Pastor Ron at the party. But, you know, it made me proud of you guys because that's the hearts, that's the open hands that catch the miracles. You know, it's, it's amazing what God can do. So um, I need Gabe to come up here because we're going to close with the example. All right, Gabe, you come stand right up here. Okay, so we're now going to talk. We're, we're not going to play dodgeball. I'll show you what we're going to do. Okay, so we're going to be closing out because, you know, the idea of our hands need to be open to catch some miracles, right? Because God has one more thing for you to do in your life. But, you know, it's a busy time of year. And, you know, somewhere in there, we got to earn the big bucks. We, you know, we got to get the promotion. You know, we're not going to call it greed or materialism. Let's call it financial responsibility because that sounds awesome. So, you know, we got to hang on to this. So if you can hold on to that ball. You know what? It's finals. And, you know, so there's a lot of homework and hopefully not any uh, research papers in quantum chemistry that you got to take care of before finals. But, you know, homework is a dual uh, force thing because not only does it affect 
the, the uh, students, it also affects the parents of the students, you know, so we got to make sure as we leave that we figure out in our schedule how to get all the homework done. So if you can hang on to that. And, you know, on top of everything going on, uh, our kids have all kinds of activities. And so there's a lot of taxi driving and a lot of concerts and and just games and things like that and practices. And so we got to figure out in our schedule how we're going to coordinate and make sure we get all that taken care of, too. So you can hold that one. And, you know, I mean, you know, the, the Christmas lists are there. And, you know, and sometimes it's really great, you know, get over to see candy because milk chocolate butters are right there. Um, but, you know, the longer you wait, the longer the lines go and the traffic around the mall gets really bad. So you want to, you know, you want to be working that in there. So you got to make sure you get all the items on the Christmas list if you can hold that. And life's kind of hectic. So you got to work in some Netflix watching or some screen time or just a little me time where we compress because, you know, it's like oh, life's just hectic. And so, you know, we got to figure out in our schedule how we can how we can have all that. So you just hang on to that. No, no don't go anywhere. OK, so. Now, Gabe, just hang on. Um, I want to have a, a really good Bible study with you, and so if you could come grab my Bible, and if you could open it up to, like, Luke 10 and read a verse. Oh, uh, but you know what? I had a, I had a rough day, and so spiritually... I've fallen and I can't get up. Gabe, can you give me a hand? Okay, are you seeing the point? Some of us, God says, hey, One more thing. I want you to walk with me. I want you to help somebody else. And you're like, don't you see my hands? I got no more room. I can't hold anything else. You know, it kind of sounds a little like the rich ruler. That guy owned a lot of things. But the one thing he needed, the one thing Jesus wanted to give him, his hands were too full to grab. So what is it that Jesus is saying, hey, one more thing. You need to become a disciple. One more thing. You need to help that person. One more thing. Your neighbor needs help. You need to have a good talk with them. One more thing. You ought to invite them over for dinner in your house. One more thing. You need to go and pray. 
You see, Jesus was just living life, and this guy came up and knelt. Because there was something on the inside that said, yeah, I've obeyed all the commandments, but what must I do to inherit eternal life? And you know what Jesus told them? He said, empty your hands, and then I've got something I'll give you. Now, unfortunately, the rich young ruler said, nah, I really like what I'm holding. Sounds better to me than what you're offering. And the Bible said he went away sad. He said, each one of you have a choice of what you're going to hold on to. Because Jesus is telling you right now, there's one more thing. I don't know what it is for you, but I know this. Unless your hands are open, you will not be able to catch the miracle. Let's listen to what God is telling us. Let's respond to his call. And let's catch one more thing. Amen? All right, stand on up.